episode 39. I am Jules. And I'm Cece. How is it going? How's it going today? It's going. It's Monday. I'm I worked from home today, which I always say I'm gonna work from home on Monday and Friday, and I rarely do anymore. And I did it, which means I got exactly one load of laundry done, which so I'm disappointed in myself. But I'm home alone, which never ever happens. The doc Congratulations. Had to go to Jacksonville tonight to talk to some people, some B people about type things. That's cool. He's going to give a bee lecture. And he took the girls with. They did like a mini road trip. Are they going to sit in on his bee lecture? Uh, yeah. He said that they're going to be like Vanna White. And he's going to have oh. them walk around and present things. That's cool. And they're probably going to go to a... Wait, what's that? The What's that one place where they have the best dang potties in the state? Uh, the Busy Bee? The Busy Bee. Yeah. Yeah. I love these okay. Busy Bee potties. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure they're totally going to go there. Do it. Do it. Yeah. If you're ever in Florida, go to the Busy Bee if you can. This is like a bee-themed trip. <laughs> so All for around. Them, it's a bee night. And for me, it's home alone. I'm in the living room and I'm cozy on the couch and I have fur babies all around me. So hopefully they behave. But this should be interesting. How was that your day? amazing. My day was pretty shitty. I worked from home, as I always do. And... Some of the work I've been doing for the last three days, including over the weekend where I wasn't getting paid, was fucked. So we're just, we're reworking some of it and it has to get done by like noon tomorrow, but we have to record this. And so I'm busy drinking Moscato and I'll get up early tomorrow morning and finish that shit. So that's where I am. We are drinking Moscato together. Sorry. We are. We are. I got my Moscato. Good. Good. Let's fucking drink wine and forget about how fucking terrible our day was, even though yours wasn't terrible. But, you know. I mean... You're celebrating aloneness. All by myself. Yeah. That's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. It's pretty cool. We couldn't record yesterday. Sorry, everybody, because we had we had an online family party that we had to attend. We did. So and it was an event. Yeah. And before I start to ask you what we're going to talk about today, I just want to back up and lend my apologies for last week and the sound situation that occurred when I didn't realize that I was recording through my computer microphone and not through my podcasting microphone. So we have done a free or a pre-flight checklist today. We should be good to go. And I'm sorry about that shit. You better be. I am. I really am. It was. It would have been a really fun episode otherwise. And I was like really sad. Like I almost cried. I almost cried. I know you did. It was. I was sad for you. I tried to fix it. And then I thought about like re-recording my audio parts, but it just... I talked so much in that episode that it made it really hard. I have no memory whatsoever. So, yeah, it we just were like, is what it is. Maybe something. Yeah, we were kind of rapid that. fire talking at each other, so it was not feasible. It was but, not conducive to re-recording, but it's okay. Like I can, I have done it before where I've re-recorded an entire episode that I fucked up like that before, but Jules was the person talking, so it just made it a lot easier to talk to a recording of her. Because <laughs> that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. Well, today we're gonna talk about. A matter day. And we're going to talk about witchcraft. And we're going to talk about toads that may or may not plow the earth. But is this all one case? Yeah. Of course it is. Okay. That's weird. (laughs) I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. Okay, good. All right. So, as we all know, um, witchcraft over the ages it's always associated with the dark the dark arts the mysterious people view it as like a dark bad thing back in old timey days now people yeah. may just look at it like like oh it's just some fun wicca you know yeah but back in 1945 when one charles walton a 74 year old man was brutally murdered it was definitely something that they were looking at as potentially a dark deed that had and they thought it was witches deed. yeah Okay. Most people, like, we just had Valentine's Day, right? A lot of people, mm-hmm. um, they think of that as a lovely time of the year where they celebrate and they celebrate their love for people and each other, but not so much um, in the little quiet village of Upper and Lower Quinton in War- Warwickshire. Me neither. Me neither. I got some flowers on Valentine's Day this year. Good for you, bitch. I'm just kidding. That never happens, <laughs> but it did. So thank That's you cool. to the doc. Good job, yeah. doc. He did it. He did the damn thing. 
I'm spinning over here still. So, okay. It took a f- a quite a few years, but yeah, he got there. Um, <laughs> all right. So here um, in Upper and Lower Quinton, Warwickshire, February 14th might bring up a darker memory of something that happened in that day. Oh, in that day. Uh, in 1945. <laughs> in that day. There was a strange incident that took place. Like I said, it was in, it was involving this gentleman named Charles Walton. Let's talk a little bit about that village, the Lower Quinton area, and, and what it means. It's at the very top of Cotswold, which is a rural area of England with a long history. It has a really long history of witches and witchcraft. And I'm just going to go out on a limb and say warlocks. Because I like the word warlock. I do like, I kind of, I'm, yeah, I, I dig that as well. And it's underused, really. Yeah, why don't, we should really talk about warlocks much more often than we do. Like, if somebody came up and introduced themselves to me, like, hi, my name is Pat. I'm a warlock. I'd be like, fuck yeah. Can we be friends? Right? Like, it's yeah, different. And that somebody... would be like a really specific kind of guy that introduces himself that way. It is. It's not like somebody comes, I mean, like a lot of people come up to you and be like, I'm a witch. But there's a difference if somebody says, I'm a warlock. A lot of people walk up to you and tell you that they're a witch? No. Oh, I was like, when does that happen to you? No. But if they said warlock, you'd be like, well, all right. Yeah, I'd be in. I'm in. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of myth and legend actually surrounding a place called Neon Hill. And it goes back for centuries. Neon Hill? Yes. Neon I Hill, um, like not like highlighter neon, but like a different kind. No, neon. Like oh, M. like M as okay. me, me on me on I thought you, you meant like something neon, like neon, neon hill, pink, blue, neon green. Oh. Okay, not like that. All right, sorry. No. Keep going. No, me on a hill. I just want to make sure all the listeners understood that we weren't talking about neon signs. Okay. I'm glad you said it. It's fine. Okay. Okay. So there's an an Iron Age fort that's still visible at the summit. So that's pretty fucking cool. Yeah. There's some legends about this place. Um, They claim that Satan himself, he like, he like kicked a boulder from the top of the hill. And he did that to destroy destroy the newly built Evesham Abbey. Like he was really mad about this churchy place. So he, he threw like, a boulder in protest? Mule kicked a boulder from the top of the hill to destroy it. But the locals, they foiled the devil's plan because they were praying together and the boulder fell on Cleve Hill outside of Cheltenham where it was carved into a cross to rid it of the evil touch. Wow. Okay. Not the evil touch. You don't want the evil touch in your life. You don't need that shit. Okay. So they, no. the devil fucked up. They thwarted him with their prayer. He didn't fuck up, but God was not having it that day because they prayed. And another version says that it wasn't a stone. Oh, no, that was some foreshadowing. Did you hear those creepy claw hoof prints walking through the room of a giant black dog? We're going to talk about giant black dog, but maybe your recording did. Yes, it probably did. Okay. All right. Another version of this says that it wasn't a stone at all. But a giant clod of earth. I hate the word clod. Yeah, what the fuck does that mean? I just think it just like a big like lump. Like a demon? Like a dirt lump. Oh, clod. Like, yeah, like a C-L-O-D. Yeah, a clod is such a gross word. I don't like it. Yeah, so I don't I don't like that okay. either, actually. Okay. The Bishop of Worcester saw the act and cast the evil one. The sod falling to the ground and forming Neon Hill itself. I just feel like the bishop bishop probably didn't have that much power. It's not like he was Jesus or whatever. Like I just don't feel like that bishop really had that much power. So I don't believe in that version of it. Mm-hmm. But other legends tell of phantom hounds. That's why I was saying that was an omen when you heard. That's the, the one dog. I kind of am apt to go with. Okay. Phantom Hans still <laughs> hounds, not Hans. I call them Hans. Hans. Phantom hounds that still haunt the knights on the hill. The myth connecting them to the Celtic king, Erwin, the god of departed spirits. Erwin, it is said, would hunt for souls on the hill riding a pale horse. Okay. Like a white horse. This just um, seems like would... way cooler than the other ones. I know. It's getting way cooler. Okay. He would be accompanied by a pack of hounds, all white but with blood red ears. Ears? Why are their ears red? I don't know. Like, I don't, but is it like 
Is it kind That's of just like how ghost dogs be, man? Like red velvet colored ears. Like red velvet colored? Yeah, I just like I imagine like, like red cake? velvet cake slices like for their ears like, sticking out. <laughs> okay. Well, I was just like picturing yeah. your dog, but white with red ears for whatever reason. I can't. I can't. No. Okay. Because I think you right. feel like ghost dogs would look more like your dog than mine, for sure. So. Well, most of the black – there's black dogs that they talk about, like the big, scary black dogs. And I am partial oh. to those. I own one. Yeah. Foxtrot. Okay. Okay. All right. So nearby are the Roll Right Hill. The Roll Right Hill. I just am making stuff up. So just back that shit up. We'll see. Okay. Nearby are the Roll Right Stones, a traditional meeting place for witches, and the performance of their rituals. The stones – And warlocks probably too. And probably mostly warlocks. Okay. Yeah. The stones, strange and ancient monoliths, they're said to be that of an invading Danish king and his men. And really, they just wanted to conquer England. They were struck down and turned to stone by a local witch and or warlock. Okay. And the whole area is super superstitious. Not just a little bit stitious, but superstitious. Superstitious. Me too. Like okay. a lot of stitious. So much stitious. So, Charles Walton, the guy, the one that died in 1945, you know, on Valentine's yeah. Day. That day, he was not having, he didn't have a special lady friend in his life because he was a widow at that time, which is pretty sad. Oh, bummer, man. But he had lived in this area his entire life. And he wasn't, like, super popular. He was well-known in the community as a recluse. Like, he was kind of a Boo Radley, a little bit. But okay. He wasn't totally a Boo Radley because he would, like, go out of his house, you know, to work and stuff. And people kind of thought he was, like, he was a little bit peculiar, eccentric. But people also were a little bit, like, had some respect for him, like, suspicious respect. because like So they were, like, a little bit afraid of him that he might – like, this is in 1945. They think he's a warlock. I know. Like, this is just, like, a different kind of place, man. But, like, also – So that's not like it was, like, 1845 or 1745 or 1645. I know. 1945, we're like, this guy's probably a warlock. Let's steer clear. I know. Like, it's a very small area, okay? There was only, like, 400 and some people that lived in these villages. So they were pretty secluded. I know if somebody was a warlock. Okay, keep going. Can you imagine that shit? Like, in the 1900s? I don't know. Yeah. I mean. Like, dude, they're out fighting World War II and we're worried about warlocks. All right. Yeah, like, let's let's not worry about Nazis. Let's, let's Let's be concerned about warlocks. Can you imagine a life like that? Like, you are concerned about real life war, but then also you're like, God damn, it's coming at us from all angles. Like, yeah, that's scary. Like we got witches. We got warlocks. We got Nazis. We got we got ghost dogs, ghost dogs on the hill. Like just things are happening demons. here. Like, yeah. I don't know, man. All right. So people are okay, afraid. So, They're like respectful of him because he might get them. Well, really, all they had any proof of is that he was some sort of Snow White character because he had like a lot of powers over animals. What, what kind <laughs> of powers? Like, there was just like a lot of things about him. Like Charles is very well versed in like the country lore. Like he knew a lot about the old ways, right? And all of this kind of folklore that went on. It was generally just accepted that he was probably involved in various covens, like witchy covens in the area. Like he was probably a warlock, but really like he would, they claimed that he would like talk to birds. So he was like, maybe like really good at bird calls and they were like, well, he's talking to him. He knows what they're saying. Do you saying. think that it looked like he was having like conversations with the birds? Maybe. He might have just anyway. really liked birds or he made, he was just lonely and he was talking to birds and they were scared about it. Well, I also read that he was like a really good horse trainer. Like they basically were like, he's a horse whisperer. He talks to birds. Well, he he like points. Animals. He can like point places and the birds will go where he says to go. Okay. Well, that's some Snow White shit there, I guess. It's some Snow White shit. All right. Like, this is just, like, I feel like we're in some kind of weird Disney movie, except that it's, like, not that long ago. Okay. Keep but going. But it's, like, the scary kind of Disney movie. Yeah. Like, like the kind they would have like, made in 1945. Yeah. That's why I was wondering when Snow White came out. Yeah. Just wondering, asking for a friend. Do you want me so, to side quest that quick, or? Yes, please. He could control all sorts of animals. Are you finding it? Yeah, give me just, like, a quick minute here this is about eight years after snow white came out so just saying that maybe they were influenced by that i don't know what the movie theater situation was like there but you know in part of this you're gonna see that they were using torches okay well this is a different like are you sure this is real 
This is real, right? This is real. I just like we we for sure were nineteen hundreds here. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. I looked multiple times because I also was like, what the fuck? Yeah. So this is just a different I don't I don't know a lot about Europe and how they lived their lives back then, but maybe they just they were off the grid, man. Okay. All right. So he yeah. points birds go there, horses. He just he's got a lot going on with the animals. Except for dogs. He was afraid of dogs. Oh. Okay. But he had good reason to be afraid of dogs. Why is that? I'll tell you why in a little bit. Oh, I can't ask it. Okay, keep going. Mm-hmm. He also had some hobbies. So, like, his favorite hobby was breeding these large toads that they were <laughs> called a natterjack. Natterjacks had short, not had, but they have short hind legs. Like, well, I called them legs because Moscato. Moscato. Okay. <laughs> natterjacks are short hind leg. Hat. What? Just go back on this, please. Okay. Natterjacks have short hind legs and they move about by running rather than hopping. What the fuck? Yeah. So just like imagine there's like this toad and it's like a running at you. Like on four legs? Like a dog? Yes. What the fuck? I don't like that know. just doesn't seem right. None of this seems right. Nothing. Nothing at all. I know. It's, a, it's like a very, very disturbing movie. So. Yeah. Oh. Anyway, despite all of this, this tomfoolery that was going on with this man he didn't have very many enemies really and most of the villagers he could be like yeah they're my bud it's fine everything's fine so apparently he was also a clairvoyant you know because of course he was was also he was a warlock yeah and this began when he was a young man so something happened to him that everyone says changed his personality i mean purportedly changed his personality as we'll find out later from okay, can I just like I'm really sorry. I'm gonna be really rude right now. Like the thing with these natterjacks, because I just looked one up to see if I could like see it running, and it's like the pit bull of toads, man. Like it, it looks like it does like it looks like it's doing push-ups a lot. It's like really buff on its front, like like a fucking pit bull. Does it look like like the Looney Tunes episode where they have the dog that has like the big chest? Or there's Looney Tunes that actually uh, have like the big the big toad. It just right? looks like like a toad and like a pit bull had a baby together. That's all. Okay. I'm so sorry. I just needed to tell you that. You fell down a toad hole. I fell down a toad hole. Oh, all right. a toad hole. I thought that the toads are actually one of the funniest parts of the whole story as it okay. comes out later. So. All right. Okay. Like they will come back. Okay. Okay. So, so it's probably important that I did that. Yeah. Yeah. Just painting a that. mental picture here. But yeah. they... Apparently, some incident occurred, and it turned him from being an extrovert into an introvert. Mm -hmm. So he had just left school, and he had started working as a plowboy in the fields. And then three consecutive nights while he was on his way home, while he was passing on Neon Hill, is that he thought he saw a phantom black dog running around on the hill. This says in here, it was a particularly bleak and witchy place. Ooh. Witchy place. On the third night, a headless woman suddenly was with him, with the dog. And he was like, oh, maybe it's that woman's dog. And then he was like, oh, my God, she doesn't have a fucking head. Oh, my God. And he's like, that's probably a bad omen. And then supposedly the next probably. day. His, probably. And supposedly the next day, his sister died. Oh. But there's no record of his sister dying that anybody okay. found. Or some of these other ones. I Some of these other like podcasts and things that I heard, they were like, yeah, that was a lie. So apparently Walton took it to be an omen and it scared the shit out of him. And that's where he developed that fear of dogs. I mean, I feel like that would get me too, honestly. So he just kind of like kept to himself from that point on. He worked for meager wages. He didn't really go out to pubs or anything like that, drinking with people or anything like that. Pretty much people left him alone. He did get married. Like he had a wife and they didn't have children together. But they did end up adopting sisters, one of his sister's child, child's child. Children? What is actually wrong with me tonight? Other than that, it's Monday. Was it the sister that died from the omen dog? No. No, no because she didn't actually die. No sister okay. actually died. So anyway, she just like had a hard time with kids or something. No. And no, I mean like them? a sister. I mean like a sister eventually died when he was older and adult. But not. Oh. Like I think he was damn near 40 when this happened. Like, okay, his sister dies and him and his wife adopt this three-year-old child. Her name is Edie. 
Her name is okay. Edith Walton, and they call her Edie. At this point in time, in 1945, Walton's living in a half-timbered thatched cottage in Lower Quinton, and he rented the thing for three shillings a week. And Edie lived with him. She's like 33 years old at this point in time, and his wife okay. is dead. They had a good relationship. Everything was good. He, Edie had another job outside of the house. Like, she had just started one. Yeah. And he was really proud of her for that. But she also acted as his housekeeper um, and, like, looked out for his general well-being, you know? Packed okay. his lunch, yeah. did things like that. I guess every day he would eat a piece of fruitcake for lunch. <laughs> like, that's I mean, what he that's ate. what you're into. I don't know. It just seems, like, not very healthy. Like, here's your well, piece of cake. He does whatever the fuck he wants. He's a fucking warlock. That's so he can right. eat fruitcake yeah. for lunch if that's what he wants. I'm gonna get in trouble because you told me I shouldn't laugh into the into the microphone like that. Yeah, get your shit together. You tried Stop to tell me, hey, everybody, Stop having outbursts. She told me that I'm only allowed to laugh if I do it with my mouth closed. How does that work? That's not right. I was I just trying to help, man. I was just trying to help. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, he'd worked on local farms since he had left school back, you know, at the end of high school or whatever, and. He was like 74, 75 years old, right? But he still prided himself that he was capable of doing a full day's work in the field. Um, He did take on light physical labor whenever it was offered to him. But he did have to walk with a a stick because he had like, I know, it's so sad. It makes me like want to cry. He probably looked pretty cool though. Like I feel like people that walk with canes look cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The doc has a cane that he walks with a lot now. Yeah, it's his footy problems. Yeah. The stick probably wasn't as fancy, but it was. I feel like it would have just added to the whole animal thing. Yeah. Just like if he has like a walking stick, it would just kind of like really complete the look of what he was going for with this animal whispering. And warlock. And warlockism. Image. Yeah. Yeah. Warlock. Warlockalage. War. I was just trying to find a funner way to say that. It's know. called warlockery. In his warlockery. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But- like, I feel like the stick could really, really like bring that out. <laughs> it didn't do him much good. On February 14th of 1945. Yeah, so what happened? Well, he got up and he got early out the door. He prepared for a day in the fields. And I guess, you know, he was aching from his rheumatoid arthritis. And then the weather hadn't been real great. So there was a lot of fog and drizzle. And it kind of Mm -hmm. made it, there was like a lot of overnight ground frost at that point, I guess. And... He had taken a job to go trim some hedges near Meon Hill, and he was hired by a local farmer to do that. He had breakfast with Edith, and she watched as he slowly shuffled out the door and down the street. And he had his walking stick, and he was carrying a pitchfork and a bill hook and his piece of fruit cake. Is this where I get to go on a side quest on what a bill hook is? Yeah, I told you to go on a side quest. Okay, to tell us where I had this cued up, man. I gotta find it now. All right. So, in case you're wondering what a bill hook is, it is a tool with a sickle shaped blade and a sharp inner edge used for pruning or looping branches or other vegetation. So, if you are familiar with a sickle, which is what the death, you know, like death, the character of death, he always has like his big, like weird knife thing that's shaped funny. It's like, like a crescent moon. Yeah. So, like, this is kind of like, like a hatchet is to an axe as a bill hook is to a sickle. That was very good. I liked that. That was very nice. I know. I'm not usually good at things like that, but that's that's what I would say. So just like a tiny sickle. Okay. Yeah. Um. Shortly after Charles left for his work up on Neon Hill, um, Edie, she left and went to work also. And she didn't return home until 6 p.m. So she gets okay. home and... As soon as she got home, she starts to get kind of freaked out because she's like, where is Charles? Where's my uncle? Um, he wasn't there to greet her, and he was always there to greet her. Uh-oh. Like, it's kind of, isn't that cute? That like, is cute, and this just makes it extra sad. So seriously, this, like, this one really got me. It got me good. Um, yeah. So I guess he was, like, he was always in the habit of coming in, kind of meeting her at the door kind of thing when she would come home. Mm-hmm. You know, to ask her how her day was going, especially in the winter months when it was dark in the evening um, and it made working outside more difficult. So also um, she was concerned about the weather because there was this like terrible thick fog that had gone over everything and the visibility was really bad. Yeah. Especially if you're trying to look out in the fields. Usually he would, wouldn't ever stop off anywhere without first telling her that he was going to go somewhere. 
And he was well aware of how worried she would get. So she really, really was scared that maybe he got sick or something or had an accident out in the field. So she ran next door to their neighbor, whose name was Harry Beasley. And she said, quote, has old Charles called in here? She asked as she came to the door and he yelled, no. And then he said, hang on, I'll get a coat. So, (laughs) okay. Together, they walked um, up to the Furs Farm, which is F-I-R-S, like the fir trees, the Furs Farm. Um, That's who had been employing him that day. And they asked if he had stopped off on his way home. And they said, no, he hasn't. That means Alfred Potter, the owner of the Fur Farms, had said, last I saw him, twas before the fog came down, he said. He claims, Alfred Potter claimed, that he noticed a distant figure that morning on the hillside of Meon Hill. And he assumed that it was Charles Walton trimming the hedges. Mm-hmm. Now, old boy Potter said he was equally concerned. And so he went with Edie and Harry Beasley. And the three of them carried torches up the hill to the point where Charles had last been seen. That's why I asked you to go on a side quest about flashlights. Yeah. Because they so- had fucking torches and it was 1945. Is that right? This, well, okay, let's first, let's side quest here really quick. So flashlights were invented in 1899. It was a British inventor, which is in, like, we're in, we're in England, right? So mm-hmm. British inventor, David Misal or Mysel, he, he got a patent at that time in the U.S., interestingly. Maybe he lived in the U.S., but it was an electric device. It had D batteries, and so there was, like, a paper tube with a light bulb and a rough brass reflector at the end. But, okay, so listen, so let's think back to when we talked about the Roswell crash and mm-hmm. how there weren't telephones, right, in mm-hmm. out in Roswell, New Mexico, or in the area around Roswell, Roswell until, like, the 80s. So this very well could be a situation where we're just really rural and they really don't have those kinds of things at that time. Like, out on farms? So they were basically, like, the Amish of the English hillsides. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure... I don't like I don't know a statistic, but I think it could be really I wouldn't be surprised, I guess, if there was even, you know, like a quarter of the people in. In countries like that, that just didn't have those kinds of things yet. Okay, well, these guys had torches. They had fucking torches. Yeah, crazy. They were like walking around on the creepy, foggy hillside with these torches. Uh huh. And after just a little bit of searching, they found his body. And holy shit, it was real bad. It was really bad. Oh, no. What happened? They found him and he was um, face up and he was under a willow tree on the top of the hill. And he had been murdered with his own pitchfork. So like the murderer Jeez. hadn't brought their own weapon to the scene. The pitchfork had been driven through his throat with so much force that it nearly severed his head off. Oh, my God. And it was pinned to the ground and the prongs of the fork Jesus. were embedded like six inches into the ground. Holy shit. And now there's some people that claim that there was a large cross-shaped wound that had been slashed into his chest with the bill hook. And then the bill hook was jammed into his ribs and left there. But like I did hear this one thing that basically said that that was a lie that people made up because they were trying to perpetuate this whole war lockery. I feel like there's just a lot of stories being made up around this whole situation. Well, yeah, there is. So um, they say in this, his face was contorted with fear and blood from his wounds had soaked into the ground all around his body. It's just so sad. He's just like a little old man. He has to walk with a cane and they just like attack him with his own pitchfork and like knock him down and do that to him. It's so bad. Just old people should never be murdered. They shouldn't. I mean, like, they could be, like, a really bad old person, but still, they're super old. And I bet you there's a gentler way. There is a better way. But this is mm-hmm. fucked. Because, like, I don't know. Like, maybe people think this guy's a warlock or something. But I guess if I was a warlock or a witch, like, my power would also, I want it to be animal stuff. So, like, it just makes me like him more. I know. I just, I, just I feel him. like I really like this guy. Yeah. I I feel very sad for you, Charles. Anyway, it took two constables, two constables to remove the pitchfork from the ground. Jeez. In the body. And like, then they carried his body down the hill into the village. And that's when a big police investigation began. There was a superintendent named Alex Spooner 
of the Warwickshire CID, um, and he led the initial inquiry. So before you know it, like news of the murder starts to get spread all over the place, rumors mm-hmm. and newspapers and all that other stuff. And it was like of huge public interest. And Scotland Yard was called in to take over the investigation. So good call. it lands on the lap of this detective superintendent named Robert Fabian. Fabian was one of the most police, one of the most policist. Is that what I was going to say? <laughs> he was the one of the most police like police of the most officers ever. Police officers of the day. No, he was super famous. Um, and he oh. had an assistant named Sergeant Albert Webb, and they both came up from London on the night train. So the following day, they met with Spooner, and they started to coordinate the hunt for the killer. After discussing all of the different things surrounding the murder, they began to speculate as to the nature of the person who had committed the crime. So basically, they were, like, doing profiling before it was Yeah. Um, Sergeant Webb, he had a lot of experience with you know, psycho psychopath people and bad murdery things. And mm-hmm. he suggested that it was the work of a maniac psychopath. Clearly. I love when the word maniac comes up. Maniac's yeah. a, a word I really enjoy actually. I'm a maniac, maniac, maniac psychopath. Yeah. Yes. So I mean he was like, who else would do something like that to a defenseless a old farm guy? Okay. Who would do that? So Fabian, the super famous one, he was like, yeah, I pretty much agree. But Spooner, the other guy who had lived and worked in the area for most of his life. So he was kind of like, you know, from that area that was very superstitious, that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Where well, they were just well in the versed. olden days. Yeah. Yeah. He was well versed in the olden day beliefs and practices. And he was just like, no, no, I'm not buying what you guys are selling from the big city. Like, fuck that yeah, shit. Yeah, because he's into That's mystical country shit. He is. Yeah. He produced a book. That was to give the crime an entirely new and different angle. The book was called Folklore, Old Customs and Superstitions in Shakespeare Land. Oh. Yeah. The book was written by Jave Harvey Bloom. Um, he was an, a local vicar in 1929. Spooner had underlined a passage in that book, which told of something that happened in 1875 that said, quote, a weak-minded young man had killed a woman named Ann Turner. He had killed her using a pitchfork because he believed she had bewitched him. Further on in that book, he marked on another page. This told how in 1885, a young plowboy by the name of Charles Walton had encountered a large black dog on three successive days while on his way home from work. On the last occasion, a headless woman accompanied the dog. Legends and superstitions about black dogs were not rare, especially in rural areas, and there had long been stories of a ghostly black dog on Meon Hill. It supposedly heralded death to those it appeared to. So was it possible that the Charles Walton in the book was the same Charles Walton that got pitchforked? Hmm. That's what Spooner Mm. was saying. So Spooner then handed Fabian another book called Warwickshire that was published in 1906. The author is named Clive Holland. He's another local man. And he described the murder of Ann Turner in greater detail. He included an account of the trial of John Hayward, who was eventually found guilty of the crime and hanged. Hayward said in his defense that he considered that he was acting for the good of the whole community. Ann Turner had allegedly bewitched the cattle and the land of local farmers. Some more um, he said that stuff. I know. Husbandry. He said that he had quote, pinned her to the ground with a pitchfork before slashing her chest with a billhook in the form of a cross. And yeah, Holland explained hook. that this was the ancient and traditional way of killing a witch and that this was the only way to prevent a dead witch from rising from their grave. Wow. Wow. These people. We both said wow together. <laughs> wow. Okay, so Fabian and Webb, um, accustomed as they were to the evil that exists in men and the actions they were capable of perpetrating against others, still felt a shiver as they listened to Spooner. I mean, come on. Wow. So basically, Spooner was like, look at this shit. You guys think you have forensic science on your side? No. Witchcraft and wizardry. Well, if people in the area were into witchcraft and wizardry, this could just be another situation where they're like, well, I got to do what that other guy did and, and pitchfork this guy because I think he's a warlock. Exactly. Yeah. So, Which is super fun because yeah. we're not doing that anymore. That should have been over like 200 years ago. Right. But they were still carrying torches. 
for the hatred. That's very true. And warlocks and wizardry. Yeah. So obviously there's similarities between the two cases, but whatever the case is, they consider themselves to be professionals with the, you know, everyone's looking at us that we need to catch this murderer and we can't rely on very superstitious, that kind of thing. Yeah, we can't. So um, an incident room was set up at the Stratford-upon-Avon police headquarters, and Fabian began the investigation. They got an aircraft from a nearby RAF. Uh, Leamington Spa was flown over the site of the murder, and detailed photographs were taken of the whole area. Okay, I'm just going to say that again. There were aircraft that were flown over the site, and they took detailed photographs of the whole area, but yet people had fucking torches. Yeah, like, it's just, like, this whole this whole thing is just, like, I feel like I'm going back and forth between two different centuries. Yeah. Okay. So some of these photos uh, are still around, the black and white yeah. ones. So we, if we can, we should post some of those. Unfortunately, they didn't really reveal anything useful for the police to use, but that's just the whole point of this, like, how crazy it is how they just kind of like step back in time so the next step was a ground search that they did and it was done by local police officers why wouldn't they do the ground search first i don't Uh, know whatever okay they called in soldiers from the royal engineers and they brought in metal detectors so in particular they were looking for walton's pocket watch it had been discovered that it was missing from his waistcoat like i think it was Edie that was like guys he always has his watch on him like maybe she wanted that watch back it was a cheap watch and it was made of tin, but they still just wanted to know, like, what the fuck happened to it. And they could not yeah. find it. They were hoping that they could find it and that it would have fingerprints on it because, well, that's pretty much all anyone could do. Yeah. Back then. Fingerprints yeah. And you need fingerprints in the everywhere. Yeah. And they didn't yeah. find any fingerprints on the pitchfork that I'm guessing. I'm guessing. No. I'm guessing no. Okay. So they did an intensive search of the area um, and a fingertip search of Walton's home. A fingertip search? I don't really know what that means, but it just seems like they were searching with only their fingertips. They're being really yeah, right. They were like little octopuses, like octopi going. I don't fucking know, man. Yeah. Okay. Every single, every single one of the four hundred and ninety-three inhabitants of the village got a visit from Fabian and Webb. Every one. That's a lot of visits. Yeah, that's a lot of visits. Like they took their time. Uh, They were asked to account for their movements on the day of the murder. Like all those people. And then at police HQ, Fabian set up a large map on the wall of his office and all the suspects were marked with pins so he could track their movements. All 400 and some? He made like all those, like one of those pin boards with the Seems red, like a really big pin board. Like That's yarn. All. Yeah. I want to make one of those though really bad, but I don't like have any reason to. I want to make one too, but like I just don't know what I would make I'm going to make one about. for my alien search and like figuring Please all that out. Okay, sorry. All right, okay. go back to the story. I just got excited. All right, within days, they made an arrest. Guess who they arrested? There who? was a POW. There was an Italian POW camp that was nearby in uh-huh. Long Marston. And they caught this Italian dude. He had been hiding um, in a ditch on Meon Hill with blood stains on his hands. Seems like it could be a thing. Seems like it. But also they were just like, this guy is a POW. You know, like the war was going on. World War II was going on. It didn't yeah. end until... Uh, what did you say, September of that year? September 2nd, yeah. So they were nearing the end, but they weren't quite there. So after intensive questioning, um, the man was merely a poacher who had who had regularly escaped from the camp to supplement his diet with a few rabbits. So I did hear in this one thing that these POW camps, like, they basically were like trustees. Like, they would let the, the prisoners, like, go and do stuff in the villages yeah. and be like, just come back at night, okay? And they'd be like, okay. Oh, I don't know well, how that works, but interesting. All right. Yeah. He was returned to the camp without charge and the search continued. So the next day, Fabian turned his attention to Alfred Potter. That's that farmer that had employed Walton because he apparently was the last person to see Walton alive. Yeah. So Potter claimed he had been working on his own fields that morning and estimated that he had seen Walton on the hillside at about 2 p.m. He assumed it was Walton because... Nobody else would have been on his land cutting hedges. Yeah. So, sorry, I had to take a drink. No, that's all right. Unless they were a murderer waiting Uh, to kill a warlock. Exactly. So, in his statement, he described Walton as wearing shirt sleeves. 
But mm-hmm. when the body was actually found, he was wearing a sleeveless work shirt. Oh. No sleeves. So yeah. all he's guilty of is not knowing what somebody wore. I don't barely know what I have on. I had to change my shirt today because I had a meeting and I had to turn on my freaking camera. Yeah. That's annoying. I should do that every day. But like, I guess I don't. That doesn't like scream you're a murderer to me all the way. Basically, Potter had either seen the killer or he was just, I don't know. Somebody had on a shirtless sleeve. What? Somebody had on a sleeveless shirt. Somebody had a muscle shirt on. Did he have a muscle top? Yeah, that's what it was. Okay. You know I love talking about that. Anyway. You know you do. <laughs> <laughs> this is like that guy, Mr. Short Sleeves. This is, this is Mr. No Sleeves. This is Mr. Muscle Shirt. Mr. Muscle Top. Yes. He's the killer. All right. Despite all their efforts, they really it lost momentum. They, they couldn't find anything. So there was like over 4,000 statements were taken. And anyone traveling or visiting the area had been traced and interviews were conducted from as far away as Somerset and Yorkshire. I don't know how far that is, but I bet you it was far. It was it was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. So using the most modern techniques available to the forensic scene at the time, they got samples of hair and clothing from the murder scene that had been like they searched everything and really they found jack shit. Nothing good to go on. So yeah. there was really nothing else that they could really do. So Fabian was pretty reluctant when he decided to turn his attention to the witchcraft theory. He's like He was like, I got nothing else. I guess Spooner, I got nothing else. He's like, let's talk a little bit more about what you know. What's your expertise here? Let's delve into this area's history and folklore. And so he did. And he discovered that according to the old Julian calendar, in use until the Middle Ages, February 14th actually fell on February 2nd, which according to local superstition was traditionally the best day for a blood sacrifice. All right, case solved, in my opinion. That's it for you? But it doesn't I mean, tell us, like, who did it. Well, I mean, it tells you why, right? Yeah, that's just the motive. But I, I think that the motive, like, that's there. Like, you, somebody's pitchforked, and people thought that he was a warlock before that. And, like, that's how they tell you to get rid of somebody that does witchcraft is to stab them through, like, with the pitchfork. So I think that we, we know that's the motive. Or in my, in my heart of hearts, I feel I know that's the motive. But who? I don't know. I, well, okay. So at this point in the year, at that February 2nd mark, when it's time for the bloodlust of the earth, it's because the earth is just beginning to recover from the winter and the last harvest. So it's like, you know, waking up again. The earth it's is. like, it's time for spring, I say, I say. It's time for spring, I say, I say. It's yeah. time for spring, I say. In yeah, times like of that. old, let's see, the ancient druids. Druids are scary. Like, they are fascinating, but scary. We should do an episode on them. Yeah, I don't even know what that means. But yeah. Um, they believed that as the life force of the earth had been taken out, so it must be returned ready for the new crops. So in other words, if you didn't make a blood sacrifice, you weren't going to have a good far- – good. okay. Oh, so this is what? like you think that somebody else is doing witchcraft and they're sacrificing him. I cannot even talk tonight. Okay. They had to make a blood sacrifice so that they would have a good harvest the following fall. Okay, if that's okay. the case – does that have to happen on their land? Because well, I would think that so, guy like, a suspect then, right? I'm pretty sure that that guy is a suspect. Okay, so the crops of 1944 had been really bad, and the spring crops for 1945 weren't looking hot either. And you know, Walton had been made the ultimate sacrifice, right? So whoever yeah. was there had to believe in this sh- in this shit, and they also had to think that he was warlocky. So that one guy, right? Like the la- what? Whoever's yeah. land it was, he was working on. I can't yeah. remember his name. His name was. His name was. Well, what the fuck, man, dude? Not I feel like I knew his place. name at one point, but like, was is this individual mystical in nature? Or did he have was a good crop after this blood bath, blood it's sacrifice? Bloodless. His name was Alfred Potter. Potter. I knew it was something that was like Harry Potter. Potter. It's like Harry Potter. I was like, I knew it was something fun. But like, okay, okay. so so Potter, was he mystical? I don't know. But Somebody in the meantime, Spooner 
had also picked up on a rumor that Walton had been known to harness his large toads to toy plows and send them out running in the fields, blasting the crops. So blasting is an old witch's method of affecting nature and could be used to improve or destroy the fertility of the crops. So were these guys doing good or bad? Well, um, let's see. In 1662, a Scottish witch called Isabel Gowdy confessed to doing the same and claimed to have destroyed the crops of a neighbor by blasting. So, like, she had hooked one of these little toads up to a little plow and was, like, whacked him on his high knee and was like, go, go about and kill the crops. Like that. Yeah. So, and perhaps so they thought somebody... that Walton was doing this? Yeah, like, probably somebody thought that Walton was using his warlockery to blast their crops. I don't like, think he would have done that. He just didn't seem like that kind of guy. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy, but sometimes people just get upset about things that they can't understand. I know we're making a lot of assumptions here about everyone, but. I know. What else can we do? I just like, I'd like to side with an animal lover, you know? Yeah. I just wish they wouldn't do that to the toads. Like. Why did they, so they have to have a plow to do bad things? They have to give like a, like a toy plow. Like a tiny, a tiny little frog plow. That's real weird. Like. I guess if you're you're in the business of doing magic on frogs, like why do they need a plow? Like couldn't because they do magic some other way? It's like a voodoo doll, but for crops. I just feel like maybe the frog could just do it on its own without a plow or something. Well, how would the how would the gods know what your intent was? If I, don't know, not I feel for like the tiny miniature the fields plow. is a nice thing to do. Not if you blaze through it. I guess. I don't know. This is a very weird theory. Like little toads and they're like like little pit bull toads and they're in a plow. Like how do you fit a plow on? Like there's just so many questions I have about There's a little situation. harness. They have to make a little harness. <laughs> like okay. All right. Well, put it I guess Charles is making tiny harnesses. I don't, and I don't know. And then it runs with all four of its legs. All right. So okay. do they ever find tiny plows and or toads to help no. prove this theory no because he would have hid all of this anyway <sighs> sorry are you yawning okay what was significant spooner pointed out basically was that walton's blood had all been allowed to drain into the ground all around him and like according to his old tiny beliefs blooding or draining of a witch's blood could neutralize the witch's power after death so Fabian was like, all right, fine. We're going to go down this line of madness that you're wanting me to follow here about witchcraft. Um, and he found it a general reluctance among the locals. People didn't want to talk about it. They're like, you want to talk about my Nantucket? What was that kind of frog called? Um, a natterwalkie? Nantucket? That's not the right word. Is it, it a natterwalkie? It's a natter toad. A natter toad. Not a, <laughs> like a, did you say a natterwalkie? Like a jabberwalkie? Yeah. No. Oh. It was like a natter toad or something. It's a natter. It was, it's a natter jack toad. Oh, okay. Not a natter walkie. Okay. Yeah. A natter jack. They're very, they're rare, by the way, in Britain. Well, that's cool. All right. So this one dude in particular um, expressed the sentiment that Walton was dead and buried, so there was nothing else to worry about. <laughs> that sounds terrible. It's like, this, there's nothing to see here. They were it's like, he's dead. It's over. And yeah. him, he's gone. Never to be seen. It's fine. So really like the probability of Walton um, playing the lead role in some sort of fertility sacrifice seemed to Fabian that it was not likely. But it was faced with all of these people being like, no, I'm good. I ain't talking. Nope. Nope. Nobody wanted to talk about it. Maybe the whole village was in on it together. You know, something tricky is going on. Okay, so remember, okay, so the listeners don't know this, but I had pulled a tarot card before this to just kind of like give me an idea about the episode. Mm-hmm. And I had pulled the Queen of Swords, which told us not to make assumptions. And, and I was just playing around. Okay, no, listen, listen. Okay. We were making assumptions and I had put the deck back together and I just opened the deck again because I was like fiddling around with my hands and I literally pulled the Queen of Swords again. What does that mean? That we are making assumptions about this and we don't have all the facts. So I think the moral of the story is we're not going to know the answer to this and we shouldn't assume. Hmm, no shit. assumed. Okay. 
Well, that's all I can really tell you. But it was just really weird to me that out of this whole fucking deck that I pulled that card, card twice. That's pretty creepy. That is I'm pretty creepy. I'm a little creepy. bit scared. I am home yeah. alone. And there's Natterwalkies outside, potentially. Natterwalkies? Oh, my God. They're not Natterwalkies. I just remembered. No, I just remembered that there was a lizard loose in my house this weekend that somebody saw. And they were like, oh, my God, get it. The cat's going to do whatever. And then I told a certain son-in-law of mine that he was in charge of getting the lizard. And he was like, I can't. He said it went under this, like, chest. And I forgot about the lizard. And then today, suddenly, the lizard was just hanging out on my white curtains. It just lives here now. One of your cats didn't eat it yet? No. It's missing its tail. So one of them ate its tail, I believe. I think you should probably name it Natterjack. I'm going to name it Nabberwocky. Nabberwocky? Okay. No, I think you called it a Natterwocky. I think you had the right part. It's Natterwocky. Natterwocky. That's that's the name of it. But I think it just lives like over by my plants by the window now. Okay. Well, as far as this case goes, I don't think we're going to have... I don't think we're going to be able to find closure because the the tarot have told me otherwise okay so well one of their last ditch efforts here was basically like saying okay maybe it was the strange disappearance of some of his money i guess in 1927 charles walton's wife had died and left him in the will a sum of 297 euros uh-huh. and it said that was a considerable amount for those times which i made you look it up in the side quest yeah, that was only about $5,000 in today's money, but maybe maybe we're just not maybe looking at it right. Or I mean, like $5,000 for a country person without anything yeah. could be a big deal to them, maybe? Well, he was known to have placed it in a building society. In a building society? I don't know what that means. But when the police investigated, the balance of his account was only two euros. So. Oh. It was like two euros, 11 shillings. And he gave it to the Freemasons. D? I don't know what that stands for. Anyway, Walton was like a pretty frugal guy. Um, yeah. And so everyone's like, I don't know what the fuck what he would have done with that money. Like he had worked all of his life. His earnings easily covered everything that he would do there. And it was estimated that he paid no more than two euros per week plus his rent. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Like, 60 shillings were all that was found in his house after he died. I don't know what 60 shillings means, but whatever. Maybe Edith decided she was going to just take that money and do something. I don't think she, like, killed him. But maybe she oh, was yeah. like, oh, before they look into this stuff, I'm going to take this money before they take it and do something else with it. That was that would be what I would think, too. So, the inquiry drew to a close. Fabian took one last walk up the hill to the site of the murderer. And he said, quote, it was a bleak and lonely place. And as he looked around, a large black dog ran past him. <gasps> Not even making this up. I read it on the Internet. Oh, my God. That means Shortly, it's true. I know. Shortly afterwards, a young boy came up the hill and Fabian asked him whether he had lost his dog. He's like, please tell me that that was your fucking dog. And the kid's yeah. like, what? Yeah. And he explained that he had just seen a large dog go by, but then the boy gasped, turned around, and ran as fast as he could back down the hill. Later that day, there was a large black dog, um, and it was run over, and police, and it was killed by a police car in a lane near the village. The following morning, a heifer was found to have died in a ditch nearby. So somebody said that they had a dog, but it turned out it was a cow? No. In other words, they're saying that that dog sighting was a foreshadowing of the death of the heifer. Oh. Clearly. Okay. Obviously. But or there or there was a cow mutilation. Anyway, they did the best they could. They ran out of options. And then Fabian and Webb just hung their heads in shame, went back to London, and they really just made it nowhere with it. Um, so it was a failure. And then they gave the cause of death as murder by person or persons unknown. And he All was right. buried in the churchyard at Lower Quinton. And the churchyard has since been re-landscaped and its old headstones removed. So today Damn. there's nothing left of him. Nothing left of Charles. Oh my God, wow. that's so terrible. That is. Why would they take bullshit. away all those headstones? Because they're assholes. They are assholes. Don't just do that. Somebody's got some bad karma coming for them. This was an interesting tale. It really was. 
But I just don't feel like I can speculate as I normally would at this point. So, yeah. The rest the of the article just to. talks about the church that was left there. Yeah. Like, it's just very interesting, I guess, that it just seemed like they were in these older mystical times, but they really weren't. So that yeah. just goes to show what different parts of a culture. Like, I would just, I'm kind of curious now to just look back and, and see what, I mean, like, so you think about like England, though, I think a lot of their structures are older. Maybe it did take longer for them to get updated with electrical things and incorporate that into their lives because yeah. a lot of their, their buildings and structures are so much older than what we would have in the United States. So, Dude, get this. In August of 1960, they were doing a modernization of Walton's Cottage. In the demolition of the old outhouses, a workman saw something shining in the gloom. He picked it up and it was found to be an old tin pocket watch. It was later identified as the watch that Walton was wearing on the day of his death. He opened the watch case and they found inside a small piece of colored glass. Um, Walton was known to have carried this around with him, never letting it out of his possession. Um, It was a talisman that he thought uh, that is thought to have been used to reflect and absorb any evil thoughts directed at him. It's a common belief that such a talisman, if lost or misplaced, would eventually find its way back to its owner. So weird thing about it is that the police had thoroughly searched all of the buildings shortly after the crime and found nothing. Oh. So had the murderer returned at some point and put it back there? I don't know. Hard to say. Something crazy's going on out in this area, I think. And I like the idea of it. So lots of people have speculated on it. And it's one of those things that sometimes gets talked about when Valentine's Day comes around. So love to you That was all. a great little Valentine's episode. Wasn't it, though? Yeah, that was good. I liked that. I really liked that a lot. I wish that we knew what happened to him, but I guess, what do you know? Maybe someday. What do you know? Anyway, yeah, you should look it up. There's some pictures of Charles Walton and stuff. I'm just pulling one more tarot on it because I've just been playing around with this recently. So give me a minute here to try to figure this out quickly. Because I just pulled something. What do you think lizards do at night? Do they just like stay still? It's not going to like climb up into my room or anything, right? I don't know. It might get you. But okay, listen. So we're going to have one more speculation about this right here. So the story as it unfolds from the ace to the ten is one where an untrained individual uses this weapon for faulty reasons, makes many mistakes, and then spends an entire lifetime attempting to run away from the power that he misused. That's all I can tell you about that. I don't know what that meant. Well, it says finances. So let's say that he did this for his crops, like the murderer or potter. Like it says mm-hmm. upright finances meeting financial loss and failed investment. So I wonder if maybe the neighbor killed him and it didn't actually work out for his crops in the end. Like, I I hope if it was Potter that he lived like a long and uncomfortable life. And that's why he took the watch and returned it to the house. Because he felt like he fucked up when his crops like didn't it was go well him. that year. Yeah, like maybe he did that thinking that if he killed him there that his crops would get better that year and maybe they didn't. And then he felt like he misused the power to kill his neighbor and it was for no good reason like maybe he was like shit charles was a cool guy and i sacrificed him and i didn't i fucked up man and also and then he returned the watch alfred yeah and he was like being a nice neighbor yeah i don't know that's my speculation (laughs) i think i have one of those little i think i actually have one of those little weapons you do uh bill hook the mini sickle what's it called a bill bill hook? hook Yeah. yeah, I think I have one. I bought some some things at an antique shop to hang on the chicken coop. Well, you should be like careful decorative about Farm weapons. <laughs> decorative and farm weapons? <laughs> I think I have one of those decorative farm weapons. That's pretty cool. All right. Like the throwing star. That is pretty fun. Okay. Anyway. So I really liked that one a lot. Good. Is that it? That's it. That's what I've got. Cool. What have we got to look forward to next time? Uh, next time we're going to look forward to learning more about reincarnation as told through the eyes of Dr. Michael Newton, who was okay. a hypnotist. So I know we've talked about it already a little bit. Um, I've been reading his book again, and I'm super excited to share that with you guys. And so, yeah, that's what I've got. Sweet. It All might right. be two episodes. It might be one. I'm not really sure yet. We'll see. Okay. Yeah. Well, until then... I bid you all farewell. 
Oh, that's sweet. Okay. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.